Welcome to the first ever episode of Second Star to the Right, a Neverland Adventure. Thank you so much for joining us and for listening to this podcast. Please make sure you subscribe so that every other week, that's right, every other week you can get the latest Second Star episode in your podcast feed. Before we dive into the episode, I want to give some shout outs to some of our fantastic sponsors who make this show possible, who make sure that our cast and crew are compensated for their time and creativity and are just all around great people to work with. First of which is Demiplane. We are such huge fans of Demiplane at Second Star. They are just the best tool set for your tabletop games, whether you're playing D&D, Deadlands, Vampire, Kids on Bikes, I don't know, whatever you play, you can play it on their system. They have just marvelous uh, chat and video chat tools so you can replace your Discord, you can replace Zoom, you can do it all there together as a team. They've got great safety tools, they've got joint journals and note-taking and, and just really honestly everything you need to make your adventure awesome. Also, if you're looking for a game, they have a fantastic matchmaking algorithm. So you can just go on and find a game. You can take your kind of personality quiz and figure out what kind of player you are and match up with DMs and players that really kind of vibe with your style. So make sure you go to demiplane.com, sign up for an account, find an adventure. Oh, and DMs, do you want to run an adventure and you need players? That's a problem not too many of us have. Most of us need DMs. But if you're a DM looking for players, you can start and find and recruit players right there on Demiplane. You can run games for free. You can charge for them if you want to. It's got options for everyone. So go to Demiplane.com and check it out today. They are our platinum sponsor for the run of the show, and we're so excited to be working with them. They also have a show of their own. So check out Heroes of the Plains and podcasts and on Twitch. Just go to uh, Demiplane.com for all that information or follow them at RPG on all the social medias. Two more shout outs to our gold sponsors, the first of which is Black Oak Workshop. They just make fabulous, fantastic accessories for your tabletop games. I've got some of their dice right here in front of me, some of their dice bags, which are super cool. They do these adventure calendars, which are like a daily little like dice or, or kind of a you know tabletop um, accessory that you can open up, uh, technically at Christmas time, but really anytime you want. But definitely check them out, blackoakworkshop.com. They are the official dice sponsor for the show and we're so grateful to have them on board and then last but not least uh, super excited to be working with laser wolf attack laser wolf attack is the lifestyle brand of andrew mcclain comic book artist creator of headlopper um, he's worked on other fantastic comics it's just super cool dude and he has a super fantastic brand so go to laserwolfattack.com they've got these sick t-shirts we're going to be showing them off on our social medias here very soon some great comics toys accessories um, just really, really cool people. So go to laserwolfattack.com, check them out. And if you use the code second star, you get 15% off your first order, which is pretty sweet. So go check them out, order some cool swag. And without any further ado, here is the first episode in podcast form. We're going to jump right in with the player introductions, and then you'll get to enjoy the game. Oh, and make sure if you want to get this podcast early and all of our special bonus content, you go to patreon.com slash second star show and follow us on all the social media channels at second star show enjoy the game andrew want to start us off oh me gosh sure <laughs> uh i'm andrew i'm back uh, i'm the host of roll for persuasion um, a podcast where essentially if i had not done this podcast i would have never met any of these lovely people with the uh, exception of my wife who i knew already but who has also been on my show um, I'm also the head of marketing at Dwarven Forge. You will see some of our awesome terrain on the table today. Um, and I, I could not be more thrilled to 
be here doing this show. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and hand it off. I'm going to shout out the next person. How about we go, Brianna? Okay, sounds good. Um, well, hi, everyone. My name is Brianna. Um, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Brianna Flame. Um, are we doing character introductions right now, too, or just us? Oh, that's, that's a good question. We've got our names up on the screen. Let's introduce our characters in the game. Sounds good. Well, that's me. Find me on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, I'm also a creative producer and game master over at the Initiative Order here on Twitch. So go check out some of our stuff. It's super fun. And I hope to have every single person I see on the screen right now with us over there at some point, too. But whoever's next. Let's go, Desiree. Hi, I am Desiree Strother. And I just generally enjoy playing d and I'm not a professional D&D player until today. Um, I have a background in psychology, and so I really love playing awesome characters and bringing fun archetypes to life and getting to explore that through D&D and being playful and curious. You can find me in all the places at Desmazing. And uh, I think that's it. Who's next? Let's go, Michael. All right. All right. Um, cool. So my name is Michael Sinclair II. I go by Michael Crates Everywhere on Twitter, on Twitch. I'm in two other shows. Uh, so uh, Let's Get Wildmount and Fae Forge Academy. And then uh, perhaps another show coming down the pipeline, which I can't speak into. Um, but yeah, I'm a professional teacher, TTRPG performer, comm sci student, and I play on Twitch sometimes. Um, and that's me. And also, I have to say, I was saying this before we everyone got on the webcam today, but we have a really lovely looking cast. So it's going to be great. And uh, everyone's talented here. So it's going to be awesome. And last but not least, Em, what's up? It's me. Uh, hello, I'm Emily Ervelina. I'm on the tabletop role playing podcast, 20 Sided Stories. Uh, and by day, I'm also a television producer. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Emily Irv. That's E-M-I-L-Y-E-R-V. Um, and I am incredibly thrilled to get back into playing D&D after a break in my life and now have to do it in front of a lot of people. <laughs> and I am Joe Nuzo. I will be your dungeon master today. Uh, I DM for pre professionally through my platform, Pull the Lever. Any Dungeons and Dragons you need for your office, home, or events, I got you covered. Uh, and I think without further ado, join us on an adventure to Neverland.
you see a vast ocean of still dark water spreading over the sky above you. You feel cold, empty, as if all emotions have been washed away. Your vision pans around and you, you begin to see faint glittering yellow lights like grains of scattered sand twinkle around you. These small orbs of light floating in the dark ocean start to shine brighter and brighter as they grow closer and closer to you. So close that it feels like you could reach out your hand and pluck a light from the ocean sky above. Suddenly, all the shining sources of light cease their glow, save for one that has somehow grown so large it has dislodged itself from the dark waters above. It falls faster and faster, growing brighter and brighter, leaving a trail of magical luminescent dust glittering behind it. You reach your hand to catch the falling lights. You can feel its immense power tingle in your fingertips. And in an instant, your hand loses all color. As a darkness reaches up past you with its own hand from the void, it clasps its grip around the falling star. Everything turns dark. You can no longer see yourself or feel your own thoughts. Two pulsing, shrouded orange eyes with veins sprouting from them like the legs of a spider look back at you from the darkness. You feel your life force start to drain as the orange eyes glow brighter. Then suddenly your scrying breaks. You awaken, sweaty, panting, clutching your ball as if for dear life. Genevieve, you hear a voice call out at you. Uh, hey, Madame Genevieve, what's the deal? You gonna read my fortune or not? I paid good money for this. Genevieve, your vision comes back to you as you look around. You're in your fortune-telling parlor. Uh, you see a man sitting at the table with you, gray-vested suit, bowler cap, a newspaper rolled up in his arm. And he says, so what is your crystal ball thing you say? Am I going to get that promotion? Oh, things are looking very positive, actually. Um, but beware. It looks like someone else does not have your best interests at heart. Ha! I bet it's that rap scoundrel Randolph. He's been gunning for the same promotion. The man slaps a few gold pieces on the table. Thanks for the info. I heard you were the best. He gets up and leaves your parlor. Genevieve, you're realizing now almost half the time you gaze into your crystal ball, that vision of, of a glittering light falling from the sky being clutched by the hands of darkness grows more frequent and more frequent. You look at the newspaper that the man left behind. It reads, the London Times. The date notes Wednesday, March 25th, 1924. That is the day that Kahinet, the elder farseer of a society of diviners, told to meet him at the top of a grand tower that lodges at the center of a heart-beating city. This magical tower is known as Big Ben. You stand up 
walk outside your parlor and see Big Ben towering over the architectural landscape in front of you. It's roughly 10.30 in the evening. You know you're to meet this Kahinet at midnight at the top of the tower. Perhaps he can make sense of the visions that you've been seeing. Would you like to retreat back into your parlor? Stay for a moment outside? How are you feeling? Genevieve would instinctually clutch at her side for the small pouch to ensure she has her crystal ball with her. Take a moment, glance around the street, and then slowly make her way over to Big Ben. Sure. As you make sure you have everything you need with you, you hear a voice call to you from the shroud of the evening. The voice says, good evening, madame. I hear you are a teller of fortunes. As this person covered in a cloak uh, walks up to you, still keeping their distance, make a quick perception check. Let's see what you can make of this individual. Yeah. First roll of the campaign. Let's make it a good one, hopefully. That's exceedingly average. That's a 10. <laughs> A 10 are, is definitely my favorite roles at the table because I always know how to sway it one way or the other. Um, this person is covered pretty well by their cloak and by the night. You can tell that they have no hair uh, on their head or their face. Um, it's hard to tell. There might be tattoos etched on their bare skin, on their face and on their head, or it could just be the shadow from the cloak. Um, they certainly look like a full-grown adult and are asking you if you have time to read their fortune. Do you want to entertain this person? And about how long do I have to get over to Big Ben? It's 10 p.m. now. Your meeting with Kahinet is taking place at midnight. It shouldn't take you too long to make your way to the heart of London. Um, if you want to take some time, you could certainly spare it. Seems you're in luck. I have a bit of time. Excellent. Shall we retreat inside? Please, um, follow me and she'll lead the way back inside. Awesome. Yeah, you go back inside to the sort of makeshift parlor you've set up, uh, renting the front room of a house nearby. Uh, you have your things strewn about to make you feel comfortable inside here. You take your seat, this stranger takes theirs. They say, I am very curious about the future of, 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 of London, of, of the world around me. Uh, please tell me, does your crystal ball say anything of my fate? And Genevieve, why don't you go ahead and make a Roll a d20 with your spell casting modifier as you peer into your crystal ball, if that's what you want to do. Sure. I'll go and do Great. that. Okay. Okay. It's going to be a 15. As you try to tie your divining orb to connect to this person's destiny timeline, you see that, like the stranger, their destiny is covered in, in shroud, a darkness. A, a darkness that's familiar, a darkness that's like the vision that you just witnessed once more not too long ago. 
as you kind of back out from trying to peer farther, you hear this person laughing under their hood. <laughs> See something you didn't like, Genevieve? <laughs> the darkness grows closer and closer every time you look. We are watching and we know what you see. And as she is going to very quickly put her crystal ball back in her pouch, um, she's going to stand up. Uh, she kind of like waves her hand. I'm going to cast uh, Detect Thoughts. Nice. And see if I'm able to read his mind. Um, it'll be a Wisdom Save, DC of 13. Wisdom Save. What's the flavor on your detect thoughts? Is this something that happens really quick? Do you mutter some words under your breath to cast the spell? Um, say it's it takes a small copper piece that she'll procure from one of her pouches on her side, and she kind of uh tosses the coin in the air and it almost evaporates as it goes up, twirling. And she's just going to make eye contact specifically with that individual, and she's muttering under her breath. Very, very faint. And you, you peer right into this person's thoughts. Uh, it's so easy for you, whether you, it's because you've done it a thousand times before or because this person wants you to know what they're thinking. Surface level, uh, you get emotions of destruction, consumption, uh, resurrecting some grand creature and uh, an utter blackout of the realm. Um, if you want, you can pry deeper for specifics, um, risking this person knowing you're, you're scrying into them. Um, what do you think? Yes, I would like to. Awesome. I'll have them make another wisdom saving throw. And yeah, this person's just like, take what you want. My brain's open. It's all yours. Um, this person has a grand scheme, um, a, a scheme that they've been told to carry out. There are more of these people. This person comes from an organization named the Red Wizards of Fae. This person is a frontline scout, maybe even a hitman or assassin, who was sent here to intimidate you. And from what you can tell, they might know about your meeting with Kahanit. Okay. Well, if your point here was to intimidate me, I can promise you, you will not succeed. Do you have anything else that you want to say, or do you need me to escort you to the door? No bother. I'll see myself out. Consider this a warning. If you continue down this path, you won't be living much longer. He slams two gold coins down on the table for your efforts very dramatically throws his cloak over him and walks out the door laughing as his does. The clock in your parlor ticks a few more minutes closer to midnight. Hopefully these red wizards of Thay haven't found Kahanit yet. Evil, um, once more, making sure she has her items on her, grab those two gold pieces, pocket them head out, lock the door behind her. Excellent, grabbing everything you need, you make your way to downtown London. 
We switch over to the port of London, where we hear a loud horn. Burn! That is signaling the arrival of Shifra. Shifra, you have mm. been sailing five long days on the open waters, leaving from Ireland, sailing across the Irish Sea, making your way through St. George's Channel, then up the English Channel to dock in the port of London. It's late in the evening, which frankly might work out. The busy port of London isn't as busy this late at night, roughly 10.30 now. You wait your turn along with all the other travelers from uh, lands and ports nearby as the boat docks into its port, lays down a plank, and one by one, people begin to disembark onto the dock. Um, as you make your way off the vessel and finally in London, you notice that it's actually still quite busy for this time in the evening. Uh, there's a small market that is set up, uh, presumably to attract late arrivals to the city uh, to spend a few extra coin. Uh, you hold in your hand, Shifra, a rolled up letter. The letter is from Kahanitz. Uh, the Farseer, the gold-scale dragonborn. He sent this letter to you to establish a meeting tonight at midnight at the top of Big Ben Clock Tower. He wishes to discuss a cooperative opportunity to help discover a new celestial body, and I can only imagine that's something Shifra is excited about. Um, with about an hour and a half to get to your destination, it looks like you have a little time to kill. Um, you could explore this set-up market or make your way towards the heart of the city. What would you like to do? Oh, yeah, I'll kind of go around this market and see if there's any kind of fun trinkets they have for sale. Absolutely, and there are certainly trinkets around. Um, there are other vendors as well, uh, people selling fish, uh, people selling crude maps of the city, um, and other little trinkets and what have you. Um, there's one vendor that has an older woman sitting behind a, a makeshift table. She has these boards, what look like, you know, uh, planks of wood covered in cloth with different random items and assortment of goods just sprawled out, sort of whatever she found for the day that she thinks is worth a coin or two. Um, that kind of stands out amongst the rest, unless you're hungry for some fresh fish. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'll go see what <laughs> she has to sell. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you see her sitting down in a chair. Um, she has kind of old, torn, grayish clothes, um, a sort of cloak covering her, keeping her warm. Um, Long gray hair, wrinkly skin in her face. It, it's, it's clear that she's been in the trinket game for a long time. Uh, she has an, an odd collection of things, um, ranging from a small cloth, uh, maybe from like the doll of a dress, a bright green feather, um, a large egg, uh, maybe even half a pound in size. Who knows if it's still good. Uh, a little pipe that might blow some bubbles, a multicolored stone disc, you name it, she has it. And she greets you as you see her, as she sees you looking at all of her wares. Oh, welcome. Welcome to London. Is this your first time in the city? 
Thank you. Yes, it is. I, I just came from Ireland. It's my first time here. Oh, how exciting. I remember my first time in London oh, 80 years ago. I've, I haven't left since. Uh, is there something you see that you like? Well, all these things look very interesting. Do they do anything? Oh, sure. They do a great many things. And she picks up the green feather and, you know, puts it behind her ear. Uh, she, like, takes the the egg uh, and, like, holds it in her hand. Um, she grabs the little bit of cloth and, like, you know, blows her nose in it. Uh, see, these things can do whatever it is you want them to do. But But you know what? I think I might have something quite special for you. Uh, and she leans down underneath her table um, and she takes out a small bit of brass that looks like a, a washer, um, you know, that you would use, uh, you know, when building something. Mm -hmm. This piece of brass, I've had it for, for many, many years and nobody has bought it, but for some reason, it just never tarnishes. It never turns bad, never changes its color. I think it should go with you. Why me? Shifra, why don't you make an insight check as you ask that about this old woman? A 10. A 10. And then follow that up with a perception check. Okay. We're going for a two for one. That will be a 23. Excellent. So you notice that when she reached under the table, she actually didn't pull this bit of, uh, of brass out from like a container or anything like that. It looks like some sleight of hand. It just appeared in her hand out of nowhere. Um, and as she offers it to you, you can't help but think that she's not being fully truthful to you, whether she's withholding information, being dishonest, or just has maybe forgotten from old age. You don't think you're quite getting the whole picture here. Sure. And I can't tell if she's being like malicious. Your insight wasn't quite strong enough to tell, okay. but I would say you'd be hesitant to take anything. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't answer my question. I'm sorry. What was your question again? I asked her why me. She said she thinks it oh, should go with me. Yes. Yes. Why you? I'm sorry. These old ears build up with wax. It's quite difficult to deal with on a daily basis. Yes, darling. Why you? I feel that you are here for a specific reason or maybe to meet a specific somebody. This piece of brass that never tarnishes, I think, could help lead you to that person. Mm, more so than a map. Oh, yes, yes. You see, this piece of brass, it, uh, it has uh, uh, functions about it that um, it can spring and, and, and help and guide and, and sort of uh, get you through a, a tough spot. Uh, certainly keeping it with you would make sure someone's watching you if you need help. Shifra, why don't you make an arcana check? Okay. Uh, 17. 
17, you can definitely tell that there is some arcane magic cast into this piece of brass, um, but not in the way that this old woman is describing. Uh, you know that this is some sort of tracking device, some sort of arcane honing beacon that if you had with you, whoever mm -hmm. was on the other end would know your location. That okay. is sort of a red flag to you. And yeah. as you look back at the woman, you notice that she has some magic about herself. In fact, her whole appearance seems to be contrived of magic. Hmm. Well, no, thank you for the washer. Um, do you have any other thing, you know, like something that does, does kind of a party trick, you know, just something silly, you know, I could play a prank on someone, anything like that? And as you refuse her object, she kind of scoffs at you. Pah! If you don't what want, if you don't want what I have to offer, then you shall have none of it. But be warned, they are watching you. <laughs> and you hear another loud horn from a, a, a neighboring boat. Burm! As you look up at the boat, you look back down, and she is gone. Um, okay. A little unsure what to make of it, you definitely feel like something is not right here. Mm hmm So then I, like her whole booth and everything is gone too? The chair and table in there, but all the trinkets are gone. Okay. All right, well, I assume that I would at least know how to get to go towards Big Ben. Absolutely, yeah. It's okay. a clock tower, um, you know, high above the architectural skyline. Um, it shouldn't take you very long to get there. Uh, maybe even looking over your shoulder as you do, unsure of who or what you just encountered. Okay, well, I will start walking that way. Very good. Talith, finally, after a long flighted journey, you touch down in Corden Airport. You are flying in an A. Hanley Page W-9 passenger aircraft, which was one of the very first aircrafts used to charter people after World War II. Certainly, it's a modest aircraft for someone like you to roll up in, but it's important to keep appearances here in the mortal realm. You step off onto the landing strip and you see a messenger, someone you're familiar with, a cohort of Kahanit. He awaits your arrival. You have, of course, in your hand an invitation from the Farseer. He has called you to London to help recover an item of immense power. Now, Kahanit, the old a uh, dragonborn that Kahanit is has brought you here to London for this exact reason many of times. Uh, you two have a, a sort of long history together, but for some reason, Talith, you feel that this time he's on to something. He might have found whatever it is he's looking for, and I think you might even be a little anxious to meet up with him. And of course, the meetup is the typical midnight, the top of Big Ben. Here we go again. Um, no one else was on the aircraft with you, but you do see other pilots, passengers from other crafts making their way towards the tram that takes people from the airport to the heart of London. Um, what would you like to do, Talith? 
do I see the pilot from the plane that I landed on by any chance? Absolutely. Yeah, they're still sitting uh, in the pilot seat. Um, you can, you know, look back at them and talk to them if you need. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll glance over. Hey, I'm look, I'm, I'm sorry. I know that you told me to, to stop asking questions, but I'm just I'm really curious. Do you keep the, the elemental ring? Is it is it inside? Is that what the, the spinny things do? I mean, how when you when, when you're climbing, what is it that really pushes you up in the air? I'm just I'm super curious, um, particularly particularly about how, how you stay in the air. What, what are you doing that that keeps it up there? What do you do at the front? And I'm just going to keep badgering him like Absolutely. this with incessant questions about how the, the ship works. The pilot is is nodding politely um, and, and eventually tries like to get a few words in to cut him off, but you just kind of speak right over him. Uh, but, but he does manage to, to get your attention. Ho, 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 ho there, lad. <laughs> it sounds like you're quite enthusiastic about aviation. You know, we could use bright young minds like you at the Flight Academy. I'll tell you what, Scrap. And he takes some metal wings out from a bag and pins them onto your chest. There you go, pal. Keep those on you, and maybe one day you'll take to the British skies with our Royal Navy. Well, I, uh, thank you. No, that's that, that's great. Um, I, I mean, you guys fly a little low for, for my taste, but um, no, that, that, that's super cool, and I really I appreciate it. Uh, and, and then I, I probably catch out of the corner of my eye the... Uh, the the person you said that I was kind of there to meet. Um, Absolutely. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Hey, next time, uh, ne- next time we'll chat. We'll we'll catch up then. But uh, I I gotta go. So I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go do I'm gonna go do that, and, uh, and I'll head over. Yeah, you make your way across the landing strip. Uh, the pilot sort of not even understanding what it is you were asking. Uh, you sometimes you have to remember. Oh yeah, I'm not an Eberron right now. These people don't understand magical flight. Uh, you Weird. find Kahanit's uh, messenger, um, a young female uh, that has studied with Kahanit for presumably as long as, as you've even known him. Um, she greets you. She says, it's a little late for another meeting, don't you think? I, you know, they're, they're, their ships kind of travel very slowly and they, they make some weird choices uh, when it comes to like uh, observing bird migration patterns. It, it's very odd, but it's not my fault, but I'm here now. Um, what, what, what's up? What, what did you want to talk about? Yeah, I'm certainly glad you're here. Uh, Kahanit, he's a little more off the rocker than typical. He can't stop counting the minutes, the days. Uh, He says he's broken through. He says he's found it. He's even said he's been there, but I don't know what it is he's talking about. I'm hoping you can at least calm him down so we might figure out what it is he's gone so mad about. The tram's waiting for you to take you to downtown London. I've been instructed to stay here and, and wait for a shipment of spell components uh, for Kahinet. Um, It shouldn't be long now before midnight. Certainly make sure you're at the top of the Big Ben Tower uh, when the clock strikes so. Big Ben Tower clock dri- strikes so. Uh, Kahanet on it. And I just like pshaw, head to the tram. Excellent. Yeah, you, Talith, you follow the crowd to the tramway um, and board. It's a little crowded, but you could certainly find a seat or standing room if you like. Um, Again, there are other pilots, passengers, all sorts of people making their way into London. Talith, would you like to find a seat, 
find a spot to stand. What do you think? I, I think I would stand. I, I move over towards uh, if there's a window or kind of an open cutout on the um, tram or the trolley just to kind of see. Uh, remind me, have I been to London before? Is this my first time? No, you've been here before. Um, in fact, there's been a few times where Kahanit has called you, um, you know, boy who cries wolf style saying he's found it, but hasn't found it. So this time though might be different. So probably comfortably, like obviously I've done this before. I, I slipped to the side and look out, but there is something about um, the the city that is so different from from where I'm from that, that just kind of captivates me every time. And so I'm still kind of like leaning out, kind of looking at the, uh, the street vendors and, and everything going on as as it begins to move. Excellent. Yeah. And, and as you take your place on the tram, uh, people around you start to make, you know, that awkward eye contact you always make with someone on public transportation. Um, but, but Talith make a perception check for me. Oh, perception. I get to roll an extra D four on that. We like that. We like that. Uh, so that is a 23, no, no tens for me. No tens this game. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, a decisive Never. roll. Tens, I'm always like, well, I'm just going to flip a coin to see what you get. Um, yeah, your roll, Talith, gives you some clairvoyance in this tram. There's another person standing a little closer to the front, a little closer towards the exit. Uh, this person is wearing a black cape with red inlay. Um, not doing much to really conceal themselves. They have tattoos up their arms, uh, like on the bottoms of their neck and all the way up their face, uh, connecting with tattoos on the back of their body uh, on top of their head. This person will not take their eyes off you, Talith, to the point where you're getting a little concerned for your safety. There's maybe a good six to 10 feet between you and a handful of people uh, dividing you from this person. You've got a few minutes still before you make it into downtown London. Uh, these trams don't move fast like they do in Eberron. Um, what do you think? I kind of, I cinch my, my rucksack a little. You're a little. muted, bud. You're muted. Uh, I, I cinch I was, my rucksack yes. a little tighter uh, around my shoulders just in case I have to move. Um, and, and I casually, as casually as you can, when you've got your eyes locked with someone, just kind of like shift more towards uh, the exit. I assume this is kind of like an old, an old timey tram that has like a step off at the back. Um, and so I just kind of like, like make my way back there. Uh, do I recognize like the tattoos or anything? Make a history check. Five. Five. Unfortunately not. Maybe if you got like a full, you know, profile view of this person, like their back is to you and like they're looking over their shoulder. Um, it's quite hard to, to make out what the tattoos mean or, or maybe what the history is behind them. But make another perception check. Uh, natural 20 plus one plus three, 24. Natural 20 is all I needed to hear. Um, you feel a tug uh, behind you. And as you look down into your left, you see a small child, uh, a young boy with his hand pretty deep into your satchel on your back, digging around for something to swipe. Hey, hey, man. I, hey, you, you, don't, you don't have to do that. And I kind of like drop down. I'm like, uh, and I, I like grab his arm in case he tries to get away. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's, uh, what's, what's going on there, man? 
Oh, I'm sorry, sir. I was just trying to, uh, well, uh, you, you caught me. I was trying to swipe something from you. You see, I've gone many days without eating, and I'm awful hungry. And between you and me, it's quite easy to swipe things off people on these busy trams. I, I, you know what? I get it. Uh, I, I totally do. Here's the thing. Um, you, you have to, you have to distract and then you have to grab, uh, you, you can't just go, go jumping in there like, like this. And I kind of reach over and I bump, uh, the side of a person to my left and try and like grab in their opposite pocket and pull a thing out. Make a slide of hand. Do 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 18. 18, and you pull what looks like a, a, a few folded up pieces of, of paper, um, a, a nice kind of thick texture to it. Um, there's a photo of what looks like a queen or, or some royalty uh, with, you know, the number five uh, in all four corners of this folded piece of paper. I, I kind of hold it out to the kid. Uh, and I was like, see that? And, and the person is like, still right behind me. I'm like, they had no idea. You you can't just you can't just dive in. You gotta give a little little bump and a little grab. All right. I kind of hold it out towards him. You're you're real inspiration. So uh, uh, okay, I remember. Distract and grab. Right. That yeah. That that's all there is to it. And uh, worst case scenario, run. Just run. Uh, and you see the small child's eyes like grow in their head as they look up and past you oh quick sir watch out i uh dive on top of the kid and just like kind of like pull them to the side just trusting whatever he says sure yeah you dive on top of the kid and sort of use yourself to to shield him and as you look no no i use him to shield me no i'm I'm just kidding yeah Uh, and as you look up, uh, crouched on the ground, you see that uh, uh, bald, tattooed, red-cloaked man now closing the distance across the tram. You spot a dagger under the uh, under his cloak, concealed, pointed in your direction. I shove the the money into the kid's hand and just uh, and, and I say uh, I say tuck and roll, and I shove him off the um, the the entrance to the tram. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to make some player assumptions and say, uh, I'm pretty sure I remember when I came on this tram that they were opposing entrances, like left and right that you could go off. And I'm going to try and dive and roll off the opposite one that I pushed the kid from. Sure. Um, um, I'll let you know the tram is moving. How? But but it's like slow moving. Yeah. Retroactively, the kid hasn't been pushed yet. Let's table that for a second. How fast is the tram moving? (laughs) No, all good. There's certainly, um, you know, safe space under seats and that sort I'll of sho- thing. I'll shove him under a seat and kind of give him the... Yeah. yeah. Um, and you want to make a roll off the tram yourself? Yeah, I, I, I want to do that. That sounds like an acrobatics check to me. This sounds like I'm used to playing a monk and just assume I can do stuff like this. <laughs> yeah. All right, acrobatics. That's, a, that's 15 plus 3, 18. 18. As the red cloaked man jabs quickly with his dagger, you tuck and roll off the tram, hitting the tough brick street of London underneath you. Uh, You tumble a bit, hit the curb and sort of unfrail as you look back up the tram still moving away, the red cloaked man standing at the back holding the dagger, putting it into his cloak as he just looks down back at you, Talith. 
you know, it's kind of give them, give them one of these and kind of see if I can't move into the, the crowd or an alley or something and figure out another way to, uh, to big Ben. Absolutely. Um, 1130 at night now for you, Talith. Um, even this late, the streets of London are still hustling and bustling cars, buggies, people, what have you. It's quite easy to just blend in. Big Ben, now only a few blocks away, Talith, you can make your way towards your meeting unless there's anything else you'd like to do beforehand. No, I'll just kind of a beeline, but keeping an eye out for anyone else in tattoos, hoods, tattooed hoods, you know. <laughs> you name it, they've got it tattooed. <laughs> uh, very good. Helen and Dante. You have made your way, both of you, to downtown London, just getting off the set of the latest Fay Film Productions' latest motion picture enterprise. Uh, you're in a buggy. Um, a few of your fellow crew members in the cab behind you. You're making your way to downtown London in order to pick up a supply of pyrotechnics for you, Dante. Uh, which for you is just, you know, your spell components um, for your many special effects you contribute to the set of the motion picture. Of course, both of you know the real reason why you're going to London this late is for your meeting with Kahanit. Um, both of you coincidentally um, have a common friend and ally here in the city and has sent both of you individually a letter to meet with Kahanit Tonight at midnight, the stroke of the clock at the top of the tower. You pull your cab up to a cross street um, at near the intersection of Northumberland Avenue and Whitehall Street. It's around 11 o'clock at night, and you like getting these shipments late in the evening. Again, it's just way less busy in the streets of London at this time. Um, right on time, the supplier shows up, drops a few crates of your pyrotechnics, Dante, uh, and you have your fellow crewmates begin to load them into your car. Um, Dante and Helen, it's late in the evening, cool, crisp London air, Big Ben, maybe a few blocks away down Whitehall Street. Um, anything you want to say to each other? I'm gonna. Uh, I'm looking at Big Ben, and I just turn to Dante and I say, "I've seen bigger." Yeah, it's um, quite small the back to the things that uh, we had back in America, for sure. Oh, for sure. Um, All right. Well, we're we gonna take the stairs, or we're we gonna climb the outside. Well, um, let's uh, let's take the stairs. I, I've had a long day of um. You know, setting up all these things around set today. Uh, that one job, uh, they had me, they had me waist deep in water. So I, I'd rather just take the stairs today. You got to change out of these wet pants before we go to this meeting. You can never go to a meeting with wet pants. Well, I know a place that we can step by uh, before we uh, head to the meeting, so I can uh, either dry these off or get a new pair. Can't you use a little? Uh... A little uh, magicy magic. <laughs> I forgot. We just need to step away for a bit, just to make sure that no one sees. You know, we're stepping away. Nobody look at us because we're stepping away. Very subtle as always. Thank you. 
And of course, your your fellow crew members have no problem loading the the truck and uh, you know driving it back to the set. Um, you guys using this cover maybe to make another errand. Um, Dante and Helen, as you kind of step into an alley to use magic to try your wet pants, uh, I certainly did not have that in my session notes. So good on you guys. Um, both of you, please make a perception check. Okie dokie. Uh, perception. 16. Excellent. Nine. Helen, always alert, ready for your next grand stunt. You hear a small group of people talking a little further back in the alley you're standing in. Um, you can lean over just a bit and, and pretty well make out what they're saying. It's a conversation you hear. Oi, how are we supposed to find these blokes in all of London? We just teleport here and start looking for a huge woman with a hammer and a sharply dressed man. They could be anywhere. Eh, quit your whining. You know we're here for a reason. They're going to be at the Big Ben Tower in maybe 30 minutes. We just got to wait, and I'm sure we'll see them walk by, and then we'll jump them. Dante. Yeah, what is it? There's some uh, little men over there who think they're going to jump us. <laughs> well, as far as that does sound, you beating up three small men. Um, <laughs> I'm in no fighting condition right now, especially with, you know, I don't look, I like to look good and feel good at the same time. And I don't feel like I'm looking good at the moment. So um, uh, if you could excuse me for stopping you from a fight, uh, I'm going to put up, the, I'm going to use silent image. I'm going to yeah. cast a uh, silent image to, because they. you said they're in the alleyway, right? Yeah, so you're like at the entrance to the alleyway, you know, maybe behind some boxes and garbage cans, mm -hmm. drying your pants off with magic. And they're just like further back, you know, maybe behind a fence or something. I, I would say 30 feet away from you guys. Uh, I'm going to silent image, because I can do it in a cube. Yeah. I'm going to use the cube to kind of make it look like a truck is coming in, but it's not the truck is going to be or whatever sort of vehicle is coming in. It's going to be bigger than the, the space. But from their perspective, it's going to look like a whole thing. And they're here to offload more stuff to mm -hmm. kind of block them from where, where we are. Absolutely. And um, how does Dante cast his spells? Is it all uh, from the chest? <laughs> Say it with your chest. Um, no. Um, okay, so uh, he gets a, a bit of, uh, he, he gets a book from one of his, um, his vest, one of his vest pockets, and he uh, starts reading uh, the incantations, and he has like this little gold fleece, and kind of like almost like as a magic, magic trick, he like snaps it really quickly, and you see this uh, like ribbon or kind of fleece kind of dangle in the air and then it kind of just sparks out and then it starts creating like this moving image. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, Helen, you know that this is a, a quick countermeasure that you and Dante often, uh, you know, pull off a maneuver here. Um, you'd be familiar that Dante's silent image, although highly realistic, it's visual, it does not accompany any sound. And that's where you chime in, Helen, uh, maybe trying to make the sounds of a truck backing into an alley. Uh, 
And why don't you go ahead and make an intimidation check. Uh, roll with advantage since Dante is accompanying your sound effects with his silent image. Okay. Um, wait, hold on. What, what am I making? Intimidation? Yes. Uh, 16 most, total. 16 total. The most intimidating truck truck I've certainly heard. Um, the men whispering in the alley go, oh, where'd that truck come from? Oh, crud, it's going to run over us. We got to split. And you hear him just like run down further in the alley, out of sight, out of sound. I think they're definitely going to try to look for us more. Yeah, uh, it definitely seems like that. Um, well, if they do chase us, you still get that fight that you probably would like. Oh, you know me too well. <laughs> uh, um, and at this time, uh, the truck of your coworkers has left. The supplier has left as well, just leaving you two uh, an illusioned truck, sound effects to boot, and Big Ben just a few blocks away. Are your pants dry? Um, yeah, they, they're, they're pretty dry now. At least I got some time, so we should be good. All right, we, I think we're going to stroll. <laughs> Excellent. You make your way down the street to Big Ben. Um, each of you sort of arrive at the clock tower at different times. Um, each of you having an invitation from Kahanit states that the entrance uh, to his sort of you know hidden lair is quite easy to find. Once you approach the tower, a magical door will appear in the shape of a large dragon scale giving you access to the interior of the clock tower. Genevieve, you get to the tower first. Find the hidden door, step inside on the ground floor, and are instantly transported to the very top of the clock tower. Uh, the room is mostly clear of, of clutter, but caked in dust. Uh, according to the four massive 25-foot-tall clocks that are on all four sides of you, it's about five minutes now till midnight. Um, as you sort of walk around waiting for the clock to strike midnight, um, someone else arrives inside the tower. Of course, you're expecting Kahanit, uh, but this isn't an entrance typically that Kahanit does. In fact, you see um, another woman. Um, and Genevieve, Shifra, you both are now looking at each other. Who wants to say anything? Oh, hello, hello. Are you, who, who are you here to, what are you, what are you doing here? Hello. Um, are you by chance meeting with a particular man? Uh, mm, I, I, I know I'm, I'm meeting with a person. Mm -hmm. uh, are, are you meeting with, with a man? Both of you hear a voice echoing, um, a, a young male voice calling out to Kahanit. Uh, Talith, you enter the chamber as well. Whoa. Um, Whoa. <laughs> not that person. No. Uh, oh, okay. You're not here to meet that man. I, are, are you, uh, did you, want, you want to meet with me? Um. Uh, I'm sure you're lovely, but 
I, um, I think, I think I'm, so. I'm sorry. I wasn't exactly expecting more people here. Uh, do you, do you, do you, do you, do you have tattoos? Do either of you? And I'm kind of like doing a, yeah, you're good. You're good. Hmm. No, but I suppose I could. No, no. I mean, that's fine. They're overrated. Um, which is ironic. Cause I literally have like a full arm sleeve tattoo going down one arm. Uh, no, I'm just, you know, there was a, there was a, a, a guy or a person and they're, uh, um, anyway, who, who are you? Talith, just as you asked the question uh, who these other people are, Helen and Dante, you both make a grand entrance, I'm sure. I'm going to slam that door. I mean, it, I know it's a magic door, but I'm going to slam it nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kahana didn't tell me it was going to be a party. We would have brought booze. I mean, <clears throat> we would have brought booze. <laughs> yeah, we, we know so. We could have brought some booze. Yeah, well, we got the hookup. <laughs> Anyway, you guys here to meet Kahanit? Oh yes, I am. Yeah, are you? Are you as well? Yes. Yeah. Um, we're we here to uh, meet him. He said he needed a uh, needed to meet up with us tonight. Yeah. Where are you? Yes. Oh. Oh. Is that is that who you were talking about? Is that who you're here to meet? Oh. I'm pointing at Genevieve. Yes. Yeah. It actually is. Oh. oh okay. With all of you standing in this room together, uh, looking at the large clocks, just a few moments to the strike of midnight, um, I think now is a good time to introduce yourselves to each other, your characters, your appearances, your personalities maybe even, uh, seeing these fresh faces for the first time, knowing that all of you are here to meet the ever-trusting Kahanit. so weird Talis not to meet in the tavern. I mean... How do you even, how do you even, how do you even I meet people if not in a tavern? A little, you know? <laughs> Big Ben, what is this? Um, yeah, you, you notice uh, Talith comes in. Um, he's got a, a, what appears to be probably like a freshly shaved kind of mohawk of uh, differing colors, uh, kind of like purple and, and dark brown tinged. He keeps kind of absentmindedly rubbing his hand at it, almost as if he's not used to it yet. Um, he's dressed somewhat finely but kind of carries himself as if as if he's not used to it kind of like you know pulling on he's got kind of a, a green uh overcoat and you know kind of a, a purplish uh dress shirt with a bit of a uh was it a cravat or whatever it's called um but he's got this kind of old and, and busted looking rucksack over his back that's kind of very in contrast with with his clothes but um younger uh slender not terribly tall but also not very short um just kind of of wiry looking and very very kind of just active eyes looking at everyone looking all around a little fidgety um and that is that is talith helen why don't you give us an introduction next all right um so helen is uh, a looming presence in the room at uh, around six feet tall but probably a little bit taller in boots um she has a grayish skin tone which in in this low lighting you may not be sure whether or not a human-y skin tone or a non-human-y skin tone. Um, she's wearing what you assume are probably men's clothing that have been tailored for her because, boy, do they not make suits for women. Um, uh, with a big hammer on her back that probably reminds you, if you've been to the circus, of one of those big high-strike hammers that you use to ring the bell, um, as well as a, a whip on her hip. Um, and she has short black bobbed hair and the sort of fashionable flapper style with a, a red scarf in her hair and blue eyes that sort of give off a little bit of a, a glow. 
and from beneath her uh, rolled up purple sleeves, you can see just a hint of a tattoo peeking through that looks like perhaps the bottom of a big top circus tent that shimmers in a sort of iridescent way. Um, Personality wise, you've probably already made assumptions. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Um, Yeah. Anything else? For me? Yeah. Good. Not not now. (laughs) Excellent. Uh, Genevieve, let's hear about her. Um, well, Genevieve is nowhere near as tall as Helen. Um, she's standing at about five foot four, uh, long, dark hair, dark eyes, fair skin, um, wearing a dress of varying red and brown shades. Um, she has a small leather pouch on her side that her hand is almost always touching in some fashion. And at the moment, just her eyes are kind of darting to everyone, similar to Talith, but less quick and more calculated way cooler (laughs) (laughs) awesome uh shifra all right so you see a human woman standing about five six she's got fair skin and auburn very curly very bouncy short hair um she's got bright bright sapphire eyes um she's dressed as um She's got on like a shirt and pants. And so her shirt is kind of almost like piratey looking. It's just like a white linen shirt, very basic. Um, And then her, but her pants are kind of like this like pinkish lavender color. Um, And she's got like a colored belt tied around her and her boots are kind of like a light blue color. It definitely stands out as a little bit odd for the time. And then she's got a cloak that's sort of an aubergine color and she's wearing um, kind of like a gemstone necklace that's kind of pretty heavy um, around her neck. And she just looks very uh, bright-eyed and intrigued by everything. Awesome. And Dante, what do you got? Yeah, so uh, what you see is um, uh, a Black man who's really well-dressed, uh, gives off kind of like big wizard vibes, uh, if you've ever seen one, but in a mundane world. So he's trying to like at least bring the tone down a little bit. Um, You can tell that uh, he cares a lot about how he looks and his hair is like the wave kind of um, nice, like tight wave curls. He has uh, a five o'clock shadow. His tie has like uh, geometric, almost geometric arcane patterns to it. He has a cane and at the top has like a nice, kind of like a, a gold ball motif on the top. And uh, he carries himself in, with like an air of confidence and uh, kind of a, a very knowledgeable look in his eyes. Like he's he's always kind of processing something, but also confident in his uh, mannerisms. Uh, and he gives uh, the room and, and everyone there just a, a quick uh, once around. So not like really intentful staring, but just, you know, acknowledging or, or knowing everyone who's in the room, just trying to get a quick cursory glance and and kind of seeming that uh dante also likes to kind of be he seems comfortable when uh he's like closer to helen at the moment so and as you finish sort of introducing yeah i also forgot to say as uh everyone's introducing themselves i also took the moment to use my cane to push the door closed behind us because we know we know uh who we're meeting and we know that sometimes they like their privacy 
Absolutely. And it takes a little bit of effort, even maybe like a little prying, like a crowbar with your staff, because that door just embedded uh, into the interior wall from Helen just slamming it open with such force. I grunt when I do it. I'm not I'm not trying to seem like a yeah, a grunt. It's not the first time you've had to deal with with Helen's strength, right? No. Uh, and, and as you all finish making introductions, uh, you know, making eye contact with each other and getting somewhat comfortable, uh, a loud bell starts to chime from the tower. Bong, 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 as midnight is now upon you. Uh, in a golden wave, of magical energy coating the room unveils Kahanit's mage study. This cluttered wizard's study chamber is filled with bookcases of tomes, chains hanging from the ceiling, binding strange objects, beakers, potions, overgrown, overgrown plants, and a large tome spine open on a pedestal near the center of the room. Next to it, you see a, a massive standing oval-shaped stone frame from the center of this um, uh, um, uh, gate almost. You hear a low humming matching a green swirling magical force in the center. As Big Ben finishes its last chime, signaling the hour, you see and hear the gold dragonborn in his white robes with blue trim, using a walking stick to pedal around his study. He screams, Great Scott, is it midnight already? Uh, well, you all are on time, but we're already late. Uh, quick, Talith, give me that beaker. Bring it over here. Helen, can you lift this up for me? I need you to bring it. Of course, to I can. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. And he all he he barks commands to all of you, um, grabbing this, sorting that, and and in an instant, with all of your personal connections to Kahanit, you know you you are happy to help. Um, a little confused, a little rush, um, and as he kind of gets everything together, he looks at you all and he says, "Oh, oh goodness, uh, we haven't we haven't much time, but it feels like." Uh, well, it looks like you've all made it here without any problems, yes? Great, before any of you can even answer him. Here's the situation. I've, I found it. Talith, I told you. I told you I'd find it. Uh, 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 Shifra, I'm sure you can feel it too. The strain on the night sky. Genevieve, that, that darkness that haunts our visions. It's, it's prying closer and closer, but by George, I've, found it. You hear the, the clock tick to another minute. Uh, uh, Kahanik you know, yells, great Scott, we're losing time. What do we do next? That's, that's just it. Uh, sorry, so, so much is happening. There isn't much time uh, to the falling. You see, I found something. Uh, Helen, you remember that place, right? That island. Uh, uh, an island that that has never been discovered, uh, an island that has has never had uh, humanoids uh, of of outer realms visit it, an island that should never. Uh, well, I've been there. 
So, oh, yes, of course. Uh, technically. Of course, we were both there. I found you there. It was a whole ordeal, but but it but it's there. And at that very place, an artifact of great magical power will fall from the sky. It is the very same thing that I and my society of farseers millennia ago detected. We've been tracking the night sky, counting stars, looking for the very one that would drop from the heavens. And it will drop soon in two days' time. And we must be on that island in order to recover it. For if we don't, great and terrible things can happen. The Big Ben clock tower ticks another minute. Great Scott, we're losing time, don't you see? What, 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 do we, what do we do? I mean, tell us what to do. I mean, where, where do we go? Uh, where, where's the thing, the, the shiny thing that does the stuff? And, and we'll get it. We'll get it. And, and we have time for that. Right. Yeah? Right. Of course. Yes. Yes. I have a plan. Uh, please, Dante, hand me my tome over there. Bring it to me, would you? Oh, and you got to get this place uh, organized. I did it once, not doing it again. <laughs> and I hand it over the tome over to him. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Don't worry. Your intern days are over, though. I do remember them well. Uh, and he flips to like the center of the tome here. Here, you see. And it shows a picture of the very magical gate that's, uh, you know, humming that green magical hue in the center of his chamber. You see, I've been to this place once before, but I, I barely had enough magic to get myself there. And then somebody used the rest of my magic to get me and her home. As he just gives you a stern look, Helen, rolling his eyes. I need to get you all to this island. I, it's, it's, it's an anomaly. This place exists, but yet doesn't exist. It's in a realm, but connected to other realms, uh, not in its own realm, but somehow uh, in the network of passageways from all realms. And it's, it's there. It shouldn't be there. It never should have been there, but it is. And I need to get you all there. This portal, this gate can transport all of you there. But there's one problem. I need to jumpstart it. And there's only but one source of magic in all of London that's strong enough to jumpstart this thing. It's, well, I even am embarrassed to, to say it as, as versed as I am in magic, but we need pixie dust. Not just any pixie dust, but pixie dust that comes from the very island where this anomaly, this celestial body will fall and land. You see, there was a group of darling young children who visited this island many, many, many years ago. One of these children brought with them a small satchel of pixie dust that has been taken not by evil wizards, not by cultists or fanatics, but by the British Museum. They have a new display titled Relics of the Worlds Beyond. Now, most of these relics they've gathered are recreations, fake. Some are real. Some are real, yes, but they have the pouch of pixie dust. I reckon there's only but a few pinches of that magic left, and I need approximately 1.21 pinches of magic to jumpstart this portal. I need you all to infiltrate the British Museum 
find this gallery, steal the pixie dust and bring it back here so we may use it to transport you to this world that never was. Another tick on the clock, bong. Great, Scott, we're out of time. We need to go. All right, so, we, so we're going to the British Museum. I, I go every time I'm in town. I love the big marble sculptures, fitness goals. Oh, yes, they're, they're quite nice to look at, but, but there's no time to look at them. If you have questions, now's the time to ask. I'm going to start summoning the teleportation circle. Dante. Ellen raises her hand. <laughs> hand me that scroll over there, will you? I go it. and grab it. Cajon it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the thing back, right? Like, we're, we're also doing that. that. That's also part of this. I'm, I'm, I'm getting it back, right? Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, it should still be trapped there. All of you, make a quick perception check, minus Helen. Oh, shards on the table for Helen here. 14. Michael rolls five. <laughs> Michael does not crit. Tala, Shifra, Genevieve? 15. 15 for me. I would say I probably would have already told Michael about this. Or yeah, uh, Dante about this. That's a fair play. Uh, Dante, you're well aware. Um, Helen, I'll kind of let you take it, but um, the rest of you notice uh, a little something odd about Helen as, you know, it was dark in this room when you were all introducing each other. Um, when Kahanit appeared and lit up the chamber, you notice all the light in the room. Helen doesn't cast a shadow. Talith, uh, Shifra, Genevieve, would you bring this up to Helen at all as you observe this? I don't know that I actually even notice. Like, it probably Fair does enough. not click with me. I would walk over and get, and get very close to her, like her feet, and like look at, like, like examine oh. where, her, where her shadow would, would normally be. Pardon, it's pardon me. <laughs> I don't I know see. if this is a first or not. And I look at my own. Do I have a shadow? You do have a shadow. How are you doing this? Is this a, is this a magic trick? How am I doing what? And I like, uh, kind of like a little kid would do. I like step on my shadow, like try to catch it. And I say like, you don't, you don't have this. What'd you do to it? Do you, is it magic? Is this a magic thing? Uh, is it a way that you're sneaky? I would love to know. I love to. It's, it's magic. I do it sometimes. It, it, sometimes she doesn't like to cast such a big shadow. No, no it's fine. It's fine. Sense. We're going to the stupid friggin' island together anyway. Um, I was trying to help an old lady, and um, I had a shadow monster ate my my shadow. Yeah. A shadow? What did you what? Uh, it so like. A monster that was a shadow monster, and it ate my shadow. Is this, is that, is this, is this bad? Well, it didn't feel good. I guess I've never had my shadow. I mean, hmm. hmm. Uh, but, you but, hear the clock tick. Uh, uh, Kahanit, great, Scott, we haven't much 
Time. Here's your scroll. Here's your scroll. Go ahead. Tell, thank scroll, you, Dante. You're, you're seriously a gem. I don't know what I'd do without you. Uh, uh, the teleportation circle is ready. Please, all of you stand on it. Once I transport you into the museum, you must find the satchel of pixie dust. Now, please be kind to the security guard there. They don't know what's going on. They're just simple workers. But be careful. I felt the presence of evil men walking through the city. My old rival, a, a red wizard of Thay, uh, Thassus Moldar, yes, that's his name. He also seeks this celestial body, this fallen star. He would use it for great evil purposes. He 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 was once a farseer, part of my society, took our secrets to Thay, abandoned us, ratted us out to the red wizards. Oh, that scoundrel, if I ever get my hands on him, I'll cast him a spell that will- Is uh, now a good time to tell you that uh, somebody knew we were meeting you here and uh, wanted to follow us? Wait a minute. Who is this person? Did anyone else meet somebody? Uh, uh, yeah, Miss, um, uh, Mr. Kahanit, someone was uh, someone was following me too. Really, really weird. Tattoos all over their face. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but they were wearing a big robe and they were like moving really quick and they were looking all like, mm, at my face. And so I, so I got away, but there was a kid and he was trying to steal from me. And uh, but so I saved him, but the tattoo guy was looking at me all funny. And uh, uh, I'm just kind of looking over around everyone. Um, he, yeah, yeah, I, I, I saw, I saw someone too. That's old sound. woman. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, no, no. What oh. else have you found? What else have you seen? Well, there was this old woman with a booth when I got off the boat who looked like she might have some wonderful little party favors and tricks that I could do, but all she tried to sell me was this old brass washer that she swore never tarnished, but I think it was some sort of scrying device or something, some way to track me, and then when I told her I didn't want it, she got all huffy and disappeared. That sounds like a red wizard in disguise using one of their arcane trackers. They must know you're all working with me. Uh, did anyone else uh, have anything happen to them? See, hear anything? Um, I had someone matching similar descriptions. I sounded like a man, dark cloak, stumped yes. by, and he knows about the darkness that we've discussed. Ah. He sees it in the visions as well. Oh, I dare not think of it. That void, that creature of the night is the very thing the Red Wizards wish to use, the fallen star, to resurrect. They, they want this thing for whatever nefarious purposes I do not know, but that is why it is of the utmost importance that we get to this island first, that we recover this celestial body first so that we can destroy it because not one man, not one woman, not one humanoid, not one organization should have uh, such a powerful device from the heavens. Well, I think hold, I, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You're telling me we're going to destroy a celestial body? I've, I've, I've run the numbers, uh, Shifra. I, I, I don't think there's a way that it can be used by just a singular person now. Hang on a sec, maybe you're on to something. Maybe the very constellations we study, uh, constellations that use stars to bind each other together could be used to, to control the power, to understand it, to, to bring that force of nature back into the wilds. Another tick on the clock, boom. Uh, Con it, while you think about that, like you usually do, 
And that's fine. I hope you've made a safe place for you to be in while we're gone. Because it sounds like lots of people are trying to get to you. And we're not going to be here, obviously, because we're looking for your pixie dust. So is there any way that you can find a place to make yourself safe? Also, you've only read halfway through that teleportation scroll. You also might want to fix that at some point. <laughs> Very good. Yes, I, I can use my, my magical shroud to conceal me and my laboratory once again. Thank you, Dante. Always a watchful eye. But uh, with every second we waste, the red wizards grow closer to getting the pixie dust themselves. Uh, we must make haste. Quickly now, all of you, onto the circle. Are you? Do you all want to step on the? Oh, circle? I, I jump up immediately, yes, yes, like right in the middle. Is the circle big enough for all of us? <laughs> Helen, you might have to like pick someone up so that you can both occupy the same spot. Uh, but each of you can find a, a position on the circle. I, I try and stand elegantly, um, but we've done this before, uh, me and Helen. So she's just gonna pick me up. Just scoop them. <laughs> awesome. It's like okay. I'm all rumpled. With everyone on the circle, uh, Kahanit mutters the words, teleporting you all to the British Museum. Let's take a quick break before we go on a museum heist to recover and steal pixie dust. It's time for the Great British Museum heist. As the teleportation circle cast by Kahanit drops you off inside the British Museum long after hours. It's mostly dark. The well-constructed building surrounds you with ornate directions, paintings, statue, glass cases, beautiful columns. You all find yourself standing at the foot of a modest staircase with two closed doors at the top. Behind it lies the gallery that you are looking for, the gallery that holds the small satchel of pixie dust. Um, you know, between you and that pixie dust, there might be some guards, there might be some other artifacts, from other realms and who knows what else. Shifra, please make a wisdom check. That would be a 20. Your like internal alarm starts ringing, almost like a, a spidey sense, if you will. You feel this like faint foreign magic close by. It, it's it's a feeling you've only felt a couple times, um, knowing a little bit about your history, even about where you might even come from. That same familiarity of this foreign magic resonates here. Uh, from the descriptions of uh, Kahanit, it's possible that you feel connected to that pixie dust, and you can pick up on it, even identify its location a good 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 feet directly east of you. Um, if you're looking at the battle cam, I've got a little compass there, uh, so it's a little easy to tell directions. Um, but your inner alarms are working as like a, a homing device for this pixie dust. All right. I will uh, kind of whisper to you guys. Uh, I, I think it's this way. 
All right. And I'm going to take this moment uh, to use my masquerade tattoo to cast Disguise Self. Um, I do have a question about this. Yes. Um, so I know that there's like some limitations, but like, could I make myself into a marble statue? If you can role play it and give me the flavor, sell me on it, I will allow it. Okay. I turn to Dante and I go, watch this. <laughs> um, and you see the tattoo on my arm starts to sort of like move and spread and like cover like all my skin with this iridescent and then boop, like it's it's me but i i very much resemble a marble statue like full toga drapery everything and i stand really still and i go did i fool you you sure did and you look good while doing it we high five Helen, disguising yourself in a way that would make you blend in with the variety of museum pieces, statue, and works of art, a clever disguise. Um, any other preparations, group discussions you want to have before venturing forth? You can assume behind these closed doors, there are security guards that would uh, throw you out of the museum. They caught you after hours. Seeing uh, Helen taking her lead, uh, doing alter or sorry disguise self yeah. i'm gonna do the same but i'm gonna tap my cane and you're gonna see a transformation happen from starting from my shoes going all the way up uh i'm going to alter myself to um have some sort of what i would think actually we've been here if helen's been here i've probably been here once or twice so i'm gonna uh, change what my outfit is to the uniform of what a guard would be wearing on shift right now excellent did did Mr. Kahanit say, uh, he said something about the guards, we shouldn't hurt somebody, right? We should avoid hurting them. Avoid. So that's not a flat out no. <laughs> there's some wiggle room. There's, there's wiggle room. There's I see a lot of gray area here, yeah. Um, uh, Shifra, um, yes. you mentioned you think it's a certain direction. Do you yeah. have Do I have an idea? Uh, I guess specifically. Do I have an idea, DM, specifically? Yeah, Maybe you know. That 80 the, foot east? The, 80 yeah, feet east? You, you can you sense that you feel that okay. roughly 80 feet directly east from where you're standing. Uh, I would. I mean, if I were to venture, I guess I would say it's approximately 80 feet east. It's a pretty specific guess. It's just approximate. It's fine. It's probably that way. Very good. With the pixie dust honing in, what's our approach? How are we walking up these steps and going through these doors? I'll probably uh, just like slip ahead, like uh, up to the door. I'm just kind of naturally moving in a in a fairly like quiet, crouched position, um, and 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 just kind of like keeping my eye out, scanning, you know, moving up to the doors and kind of putting my hand on the handle and like looking back at everyone, like like y'all good. Okay, I will uh I'll uh, I'll glance over at, at Dante at what Dante's done and I will also um uh cast disguise self and turn and I'm gonna put on um I'm gonna dress like I'm gonna be a man because I would assume that they would not hire a woman security guard at this time. Um but I'll turn into a ma a male security guard. All right, security guard. Can you all do that? That's so freaking cool. I look at Genevieve. Can you can you do that? Definitely no. 
no cool party tricks like that. Um, I guess I'm going to follow your guys' lead. You actually look like you belong here. Um, well, I mean, it could seem like we're just escorting you around the presence of uh, the, the place. It seems like you can be someone who's very important, who is getting a, you know, a solo tour around the place. So I think that's something that we can do. And yes. I look over to Shifra to, like, see if they're okay with it. Yes, yes. I mean, maybe interested in perhaps procuring them or, or donating an item to have on display for your own collection. Um, and- I look gonna hide behind me because I'm a giant marble person. <laughs> and you flex like a few more times, and it makes like that crunchy, like marble moving sound too, <laughs> which I'm making with my mouth. <laughs> Very good. With Talith nearing the door, ready to open it, disguises in place. Let's have everyone make a stealth check. Those of you disguised, those of you made of marble, roll advantage on your checks. What if you just have like a nice alabaster skin? I don't think it quite cuts it. Yeah, well, never hurts to ask. Um, yeah. and, and Genevieve, if you're, if you're being careful following behind uh, Helen, you can have advantage as well. I rolled a well, actually, no, uh, 17 total. Excellent. How'd everyone else do? 17 for me as well. 20. Uh, if y'all aren't familiar with Michael rolls, um, <laughs> I rolled two fives. So <laughs> a five. <laughs> no problem. Oh, well, no problem for me. Probably. Yeah, you, you, I did it on D&D Beyond, too, and it looked like a 13, but apparently the computer said it was a 5, and I was like, cool, even the cock dice that looked like 13, <laughs> still a 5, great. I feel like I should have asked before before you joined the show, like, what your average rolls are. You know, Very low. Yeah, uh, well, too late, here we know, are. Definitely sub-10s, for sure. As the group makes their way forward, slowly opening the doors to this next gallery. You're met, I guess I'm just going to close the doors to get everyone all up in here. Met with a large wall in front of you. A sort of wall that breaks the gallery in half. You know, sort of like an entrance and an exit in and out of this chamber. Um, peeking around the corner, you see uh, multiple like showcases. Uh, again, this is a gallery that holds exotic relics from other realms, or so um, you know the connoisseurs of the British Museum claim. Um, different objects of different shapes and sizes. Uh, you can see again just from peeking around the corner. Um, and of course I scrolled it from my notes. You can see weapons, what looks like wands, rings, feathers, idols, um, chests, compartments, statues, um, uh, giant objects uh, of, of irregular proportions, like a massive hourglass. Um, and circling these relics, these items are two security guards of the museum. Just beyond them, 
Uh, on the far side of the room, two gates are closed, iron bound, blocking off the inner gallery. Uh, Shifra, your pixie dust sense is is pinging that the dust lies behind those iron bars. I'll kind of uh, make eyes at the group and and nudge my forehead that way. We have a few guards to sneak around or apprehend or whatever manner you would like to do to move forward. Um, what's the plan, group? Trail the guards looking. Um, they're being awfully casual, you know, as you would expect late night security guards to. Um, their miniatures on the board here are accurate to the direction that they're looking. One uh, on the top of the screen on the north end is looking in your guys' direction. The one on the bottom of the screen, the south end, is looking away from you all. Barriers between them sort of separate a line of sight from each other, um, but you guys can certainly pinpoint them. I'm glad we asked the what's the plan question after we got into the room where we have to be quiet. Can we see from where they are if they have like a name tag or anything? Make a perception check. That would be 23. Richmond and Steven. Okay. Um, I guess I'm going to use this spell, even though, it, you know, it's one of my higher spells. Um, Imagine Dante to... flexes that to the group. Well, <laughs> well, you see, uh, through the some arcane study for a lot of my life. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to uh, cast our alter self. I know I have disguise self, but I'm trying to go for a more realistic uh, spell just in, in case. Sure. Sell something. Um, have I ever seen Her Majesty's guards or general like entourage of security uh, around uh, around the area? I believe like if I lived here in this area, I've seen it once or twice uh, before. Absolutely. Yeah, you'd be familiar with them. They're... Um you know, patterns, uh, what they typically do, how they interact with people, mannerisms, all that kind of stuff. All right. Uh, I'm going to look to the group and change like that. And then uh, I'm going to try and gesture quietly to Genevieve. Like, can I take your arm uh, before I do that? So not in the affirmative and take your arm. Um, I, I have to like whisper. So like, I guess we're going to role play whispering and hopefully they don't hear me. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to try and trick them by um, essentially being one of Her Majesty's escorts and, and um, saying that Genevieve here is one of the um, our neighbors, royalty, or some of very high importance from our neighbors from the East. And she's getting a private tour led by me. Um, what do you all think? Yes, that sounds good. Should I should I lead you should I lead you two through or or how and what and tell us what are you going to do? Be really quiet. While they're okay. distracted, I think you can go grab the thing while I have their attention. I'll go the opposite way. <laughs> yeah, that sounds sounds good. So so while you have their attention. I grab it and then we're done. That's it. 
the rest of this covered dungeon doesn't matter because we already solved the problem. I like it. Well, I well, let's see. I should probably go with you since I since you guys can't tell where this is. You can't tell where the pixie dust is. Oh, I I I have a I have a way. I I have a way to. I, I thought you said it was behind the thing. Well, I know that it's approximately like maybe sixty feet that way now. Uh, Shifra, you can identify that the pixie dust is behind the closed iron archways, um, okay. past this room. Yeah, I just, I just know that it's right behind those archways, past this room. Oh, so we need to find a way over there. Well, well, I, I, I like the idea. You, you distract them with your oddly timed midnight tour, and we'll go try and get through those doors. Maybe they'll let you through those doors. I don't know, but yeah, we can play it by ear. Um. Knowing the layout of this museum, is it those stairs to the left. So the, the thing that uh, Shifra is getting pinged on is on the current floor that we're at, or is it? I had phones under- cutting out and I couldn't hear anything. It's on said. the it's on the current floor. Yeah. So you just came from like the general assembly halls into like a side wing gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what Shifra is picking up on, the pixie dust is in the next chamber on this level. And is there a store? Is it is it correct to say that uh, at the north and south ends are those stairs leading up somewhere, or is that just decorative design? Decorative design. There are like pedestals with you know uh, fabricated relics of realms beyond um, stationed there. Okay. Um. So I think I want to try and go with the plan. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Um. Whichever way they're going, whichever way Dante and Jenny are going, I'm going to try to go the other way because I'm going to assume all the guards are going to look at them. I'm, I'm going to go around the, the perimeter be a statue. Absolutely. Uh, Dante uh, and Genevieve, um, it sounds like you're going to step out in front here and, and get the guards' attention with your little ruse. Um, are you prepared to do so? Are you ready? Uh, yeah, so we're going to go. It looks like I'm south right now on that of the group, like with the general. Group, so I'm yeah, like in the middle there. But yeah. Go either way. So I'm going to go south and uh, close to that wall with Genevieve. Yeah. Uh, you know, right again, up against that wall to kind of get the guards distract distracted to come towards me. Absolutely. And I want to put on my worst British accent because i don't know how to do that so this is gonna be great take it away uh okay uh i'll start off with this <laughs> it's all you spotlights on you dante uh, going both of you get over here and yeah you now as your voice echoes through the nearly empty gallery um of course the guard right in front of you um you know turns around baton in hand you know darts over in your direction uh the other guard sounds like is pitter patter footsteps you know on the sleek floor making their way over as well um this guard turns to you and says oi what are you lot what are you lot doing here galleries close at this time we need to escort you off the premises immediately did no one from her majesty tell you that there was a private tour happening tonight a private tour? No, it seems highly irregular. Well, we don't always get someone so lovely visiting us from our neighbors from the east, now do we? Uh, and as the guard looks at you both, uh, Dante, make a persuasion check. Or deception, frankly. 
I think either could work in this case, whatever is more favorable. Persuasion or deception. Okay, persuasion. No Michael rolls this time, please. <laughs> uh, Genevieve, um, if you have something to add to this ruse, uh, you could certainly perform the help action on Dante's role here. I would love to do that. Uh, Genevieve will kind of like take this look on her face where she's like intensely judging these guards who are questioning us and just say like under her breath, but still loud enough for them to hear. Honestly, do you not have any communication around here? Dante, how was your role? Uh, the first one, if I'm not getting any sort of uh, advantages or- You uh, are anything. getting advantage. Oh, okay. Genevieve chimes in. So first one's a 15, I'll roll this again. I'm gonna go with the 15. Uh, yeah. Oh, huh. my mistake. I didn't realize uh, uh, both of you were here under uh, our majesty's direction. Uh, and at this time, as, as, as Dante and Genevieve are going back and forth, both guards now closing in on them. Uh, the rest of the group, you have your opportunity to make a move. Helen, I know you are ready, ready to book it, right? Yeah, I'm going to, I guess, go to the north and try to get as far as I can around. And then when I reach the end of my movement, I will freeze. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and Shifra and Talith, are you moving in a similar fashion or anything different? Yes, I will go with her and... Um... My my goal is to whenever we get to the end of our movement and she freezes, I'm going to try and act like I'm I'm helping Talith, who is from clearly a statue moving company, move her to the location where she's supposed to go. <laughs> Amazing. Do you, do you say this to me at all? Do I know this is a plan? I uh, I no. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna roll for myself here. Yeah, so so I'll kind of like like uh, I'll, I'll be moving ahead, kind of focused on the goal, and then when um, when Helen stops, I'll kind of glance back and see her statuing, and and I'll look at uh I'll look at Shifra, kind of be like, uh, oh yeah, and I'll kind of run up like I'm holding her up, like <laughs> awesome, uh, like that scene from Emperor's three? New Groove where Kronk just like da 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 da. That thing. Um, you three go ahead and make stealth checks with advantage since we have a pretty good ruse put together. I'm always happy to reward such oh. thought out plans. Oh. Roll, roll the three and a four. See if we can keep these guards from dying. Uh, 11, <laughs> 11 total. Um, Talith, gotcha. Um, Shifra, Helen, sorry, what were your rolls? 16. 18. 18. Excellent. Um, as both of you cut across, Helen, you strike your pose just about over here near these other statues, your companions not far behind. Talith, as you go to catch Helen in her statue, um, you know, a pose, you knock over. This insanely large hourglass that's standing next to you. But then I dive and catch it so dexterously. It, it tips, it teeters, and then it falls. Make a sleight of hand check to quickly react and grab this thing and steady it. Okay. All right. Should this isn't a deck save scenario? Ooh, ooh, actually, hold on. Hold on one second. Uh, 
I am lucky, and I just want to remember the things. New character. Um, I want to remember character all the things is. I can do because I can do many, many, many things. <laughs> so many things. Okay. All right. Uh, sleight of hand. See oh gosh, I need a, I need a tray. Okay, not great, but bear with me. It's a five plus three eight, but um, I can do a thing. This is making for a riveting podcast version of the show right now. <laughs> yeah. oh, I can just tell. He's doing a thing. I just Keep imagine it together, man. Everyone okay. else is doing the Black Beatles challenge, and they're just like frozen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, if I fail an ability check, well, that's just bad. I'm just gonna use. I'm just gonna use lucky. <laughs> uh, I am so lucky. Um, I'm going to re-roll that d20. Uh, that Ebron luck. That Ooh, significantly better. 22. 22. Talith, you like, you know, managed to get a finger on it as you slip just barely that innate luck that you have relied on for a lot of your life uh, somehow gives you that extra reach to steady the hourglass from tipping over and shattering. Can I do it with my foot? Like I'm holding Helen up like this, but like my toe goes out and like, like I'm doing like a, a yoga pose. Put just enough weight on it with like exactly. a big toe to just steady it and keep it straight. Uh, Dante and Genevieve, like you have a hard time make, keeping eye contact with the guards as you see this charade happening and, and Talith stop the hourglass from falling. Um, Dante and Genevieve, let's make another persuasion check uh, as you in, engage with these guards. They say, well then, uh, how can we be of service to you? Uh, oh, do you need access throughout the gallery? Uh, I'm going to, before we make the roll, I'm going to say, um, you know, it's okay, it's okay. Misunderstanding, the queen of family, really hard to um, keep organized, and the message must not got out. You know, go and take a break, uh, get a cup of tea while you're at it. Um, you know, um, you know, reward yourself. So you've been uh, keeping good care of, of uh, this museum lately. Excellent. Uh, Genevieve, anything to add on, on top of Dante here? She actually is going to, as she's uh, like slightly tapping his arm that she has her hand in, um, you'll feel a warmth kind of emanating off of your arm and like just trailing up as though fate is being twisted i'm going to utilize one of the portent die rolls Ooh. from the beginning of the day which was a natural 20. Ooh. okay that's how we circumvent michael lark okay i'm okay with this <laughs> group synergy okay yeah. uh dante as you're you know you're, you're spinning your, your your fable here um you know you think like you're coming off like smooth and clean and crisp but in reality you're kind of like stuttering a little bit maybe uh, a beat of sweat drips down your head um but with genevieve's uh clairvoyance um she magically like corrects um you know everything that might uh, give a worry to these guards um sort of snuffing their own senses um, they immediately perk up and say, oh, it is mighty kind of you to say, you know, we're always stuck with the late shift. We try to switch to regular shifts, but we're the new ones here. So we get stuck with the late shifts. Uh, uh, hopefully, uh, with the kindness you've showed us and, and the kindness uh, we're showing you, you'll put in a good word to the higher ups, right? Of course, of course. Um, uh, 
You boys worked so hard. I'll put a good word to her majesty. Maybe we can get you on part of the uh, security team. Oh. And I'm going to take a step back to Genevieve's, uh, on the map to Genevieve's west to kind of make it look like I am, like, excusing them or giving, like, a polite gesture for them to walk that general direction instead of the other way. Excellent. Yeah. And as you sort of like, you know, welcome them, hey, come this way, uh, they start to walk past. Um, one of the guards doubles back real quick, Dante. Uh, he says, oh, Roy, I uh, almost forgot here. You're going to need this if you're given a tour of the inner gallery. And he hands you a key that opens up those iron gates. Um, that natural 20 from Genevieve really paying off here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to uh, take it and uh, I'm going to write down some card that like, I believe the royal family has like general royal numbers that like yeah. they have for phones because <laughs> phones are very new at this point. So you can dial six to reach the queen directly. Yeah, I'm going to slip <laughs> it and write like my name, a BS name that I put on my tag to like, <laughs> yeah. uh, to like say, give us a call. Oh, very good. Thank you, sir. And enjoy the uh, sparseness of the uh, exhibit here. Have a good night. And ma'am. Thank you. And the two guards trail off. Uh, Dante and Genevieve, as you kind of round the corner to meet up with the rest of the party, you see this like modern day abstract art of Helen posed as a statue uh, Shifra holding up her arms and Talith like stretched out as far as he could to balance everything he's knocked over around him. One thing. <laughs> Which is uh, everything. Sure. <laughs> I'm going to uh, get the keys that I have and I imagine I could lock the doors that the guards just went through. I'm going to wait a bit so they don't hear, like when I hear the footsteps like going away, and I know they've probably rounded a corner. I'm going to lock it so they don't hear me immediately lock it. Very good. Yeah, you wait the appropriate amount of time. Lock the doors and the chamber is yours. Um, now, as you stand in front of the iron uh, doorways here, you can see through the bars to get a little visual on, on what's ahead of you. Um, Dante, key in hand, uh, Shifra your pixie dust sense is tingling hot. It's very close by. You almost feel this, um, you know, newfound natural force within you as if the pixie dust is communicating to some like deep presence inside of you. Let's go ahead and reveal. Don't worry, almost everything fell over. Hold, please. <laughs> that darn terrasse got loose. Okay. <clears throat> you all enter inside this grand private gallery. Large statues stand uh, near the four corners of the chamber. You see on the far side, opposite a grand jade column, a pedestal with a large jar full of this like golden glittery liquid. Um, next to it, in front of it actually, uh, Shifra, you see it, finally. The small satchel that has the pixie dust inside, uh, not too far out of arm's reach now. 
sort of on top of the chamber, looking down into it like a balcony, a sectioned off gated sort of study room, um, you know, sort of at the museum where you see like the people, you know, excavating fossils and stuff behind glass walls, um, like an observation deck or study room or polishing chamber uh, where you'd get things ready to put on display. Um, looks down into this gallery. As far as the group can tell, no one else but you all is here. What would you like to do? The pixie dust isn't inside like a display case or anything. It's just out. Yeah, so this is kind of like, you know, the finer things gallery where, um, you know, only high end and, and well off people can afford to get into. Um, so things are a little more open aired in here. Uh, that satchel is is exactly correct. It's just sitting there. Okay, I reach out and grab it. You'll have to walk over there to do so. Um, okay, I thought you said it was within arm's reach. So Almost within arm's oh, reach. Okay. Sorry, almost. I probably misspoke because I often do. You can but call I me that stuff. Almost move close enough. <laughs> there you go. Shifra, <laughs> uh, you'll have to make your way around uh, the pillar in the center of the room to do so. Um, would anyone else like to do anything specific at this time? Talith would have also been like very excitedly like going to get this. Like, oh, this is right where Mr. Uh, Kahamet said it would be. And, and just kind of like like power walking towards it. Excellent. Anyone uh, else? I'm going to respectfully unlink arms with Genevieve. So because the ruse is up, so don't want to hog up any other space. And uh, I'm just going to keep uh, attention on you know, the area behind us, just kind of like the doors we went through. I'm just trying to make sure that nothing shenanigans happens while we're doing what we're doing. Very good. Helen, Genevieve. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to just take a look at some of the other objects in the room. Very good. Yeah. The looking, uh, next to you towards the top of the chamber, <laughs> You see what looks like a, a demonic idol with um, a, a dog made of onyx-looking material, uh, uh, deep black in color. Um, the idol itself may be the size of a small stuffed animal, but it's sitting kind of suspended in the center of this like bigger demonic idol. Ooh. <laughs> Uh, Genevieve, anything specific from you? Um, yes, Genevieve, after unlinking arms with Dante, would kind of go in the opposite direction of whichever he was walking. Um, and she's going to take out her crystal ball from her pouch. And as she starts uh, like holding it in her hand, it starts glowing a little bit. She's just knowing there's going to be a re reaction from that satchel they're going towards. She's going to cast a tech magic still. Excellent. Uh, and as you connect with your orb, the spell fires. You see a great deal of magic in this chamber. Um, not only is the satchel with the small amount of pixie dust glowing with magic, but the rune in the sort of bottom right corner of the chamber has magic glowing as well. And the dog idol that Helen is looking at glows with magic. Dante, make a quick perception check. Oh, good. 
Spoiler, it's a five. You don't have Genevieve's arm to bail you out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, 18, actually. 18, a good roll. Dante, you hear noises coming from the, uh, the gallery that you were just in. Um, it sounds a little too organized for it to be those guards. Like they're purposely trying to make the whatever noise is trying to make themselves unaware um, you know, of your presence. Um, just as Dante, you sort of like realize, hey, someone is coming. Genevieve, your detect magic picks up another source of powerful arcane energy coming from the opposite side of the door on that top balcony. Shifra, as you reach out your hand to grab that pixie dust, Talith, you notice that there's also a book on the same pedestal next to the pixie dust. It's old, it's weathered, it's tired, but you see the faint initials of WD still written on the cover of this like diary, this journal. Walt Disney? <laughs> no? Let's okay. talk about our next sponsor. Right. <laughs> no, no. Uh, cool, yeah, that's cool that there's a book, but there is a bag of the pixie dust right here. And that is what I am honed in on. Absolutely. Uh, Shifra, put your hands on the pixie dust. Dante, uh, you bring awareness to the group that, hey, someone or a group of people are coming. Genevieve, you, you see this arcane power emerge through the door. And from it, standing on the balcony, overlooking you all, is a man. Walt Disney. Dressed <laughs> Crimson red wizard's robes, a beautiful golden uh, like upper chest plate arcing over his, the back of his neck and head, full tattoos across his face, down his scalp, and through his arms, legs, and what you consume, uh, the rest of his body under his cloak, he stands with his arms crossed. Looks down at you, Shifra, and he says, Stop what you're doing now, mortal. That pixie dust is mine. Oh, is it? Yes. You stand in the presence of a great wizard. I am Thassus Moldar. Arch mage of the Red Wizards of Thay, and we are here to claim that prize. And just as he says that, Dante, you now see more of his lackeys, ones who looked similar to the thugs you saw and heard in the alley. I'm locking the doors. I was trying to do that as fast <laughs> as I could while explanations were happening, but I'm like, lock, lock. <laughs> Absolutely. With, with your high uh, perception check and, you know, common freaking sense, uh, you close the gates and lock them. Might not um, do anything, but it's something. And, and what was his name? Thassus Moldy? Thassus Moldar. <laughs> Moldar, uh, the sure. same red wizard who Kahanit spoke, uh, an old rival of his that was once a member of the Farseer Society, uh, presumably a close friend of Kahanit that abandoned the society, turned all their information over the red wizards to hunt down this celestial body that Kahanit is looking for. Yep, I'm writing down real bad. There you go. I wrote uh, down Thassus, bad guy, exclamation point. <laughs> Moldar says... It is not that impotent whelp Kahanit who will step foot on the 
on the island of wonder. It is I, I will be there first to recover the celestial body and your journey will end here now, unless you hand me that dust. Hmm. I'm in statue mode. <laughs> I just instinctively go to, I actually, I don't know if I'm anywhere near, Never mind. I'm nowhere near. Forget that. Well, I thought I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry, Mr. The, the Hossus Mulder. Um, I thought you said this was yours. Did you loan it to the museum? Well, I, you said you're here to claim it. So is it yours already? Or are you claiming it? Everything is under the possession and reach of the Red Wizards. Ooh, we everything. are the, the mage tyrants of all realms. Oh, okay. Um, and I, I have picked up the pixie dust now. Um, said, and, and what about, uh, what about this, this book, these other things with it? What is, uh, is this yours too? This says WD on it, but I think your initials are not that. Is this yours as well? Ha! Scrap! False idol that these humans of Earth claim to be relics of old. Now, young child, bring me the dust so that I may claim the power that is rightfully mine and awaken the darkness that will consume the world and all worlds connected to this one. You're just going to tell us your evil plan? I'm sorry, I was going to be frozen, but this is pretty stupid. I why don't you come down here and get it? Why do we have to go up to you? Very oh, powerful well. wizard man. You want to play the hard way. You I, how do I feel back. having picked up this pixie dust? Yeah, you feel incredible. Uh, like taking a five-hour energy. You know, you're just teeming with, with excitement, with life. Um, your emotions are like like honing in on like specific feelings, you know, excitement, uh, 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 threat, joy, anxious, you know, they're like, it, they blend from one to another. Does this magical dust come from the mystical land of Colombia? Just, just a quick <laughs> snort of pixie dust, man. I see one. Ifra, this pixie dust um, um, it, it speaks to you. It, 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 it aches for you to use it. It has some sort of connection. Make a wisdom check to see if you can identify the magical properties of this dust and roll with advantage since you have some untold history with this magic. That would be a 12. You can, you know that this magic has endless properties and, and functions that if you take a pinch and focus your emotions strongly on, on one thing that you want or desire, it's possible that this dust could grant you that. Maybe even offer an, uh, uh, an, a way out of this room, a way back to Kahanit before these red wizards can move in. Okay, and I know, because I, I, I take good notes, I'm a good student, I know that Professor Kahanit asked for 1.21 pinches of magic. And so I want, there's more than that in this bag, right? There's some you to spare. Sense there's probably three total uses, three total okay. pinches from this bag. One okay. Kahanit needs, one that could even get you out of this situation and that would leave one left over. Okay. So I will, I will grab a pinch 
and um and and channeling all of my excitement and this this feeling of kind of being reconnected with something um maybe lost about myself or something I had discovered about myself um and how much fun I am kind of having kind of mocking this guy I will just think really hard about like getting out of here and being back in, at Kahana's uh study and I'll just poof it on the ground and I as to do as you do do, do you say anything out loud to, to your friends, to this red wizard? Um, no, I just, I just am like super exuberant and happy inside myself. And I'm so happy. I'm just in my own head doing this thing. Absolutely. With the, the power of your emotions and pixie dust in hand, you take a pinch, uh, sprout it on the ground with a clear flick of your fingers and poof. All of you inside the chambers are instantly transported from inside the British Museum back to the top of Big Ben, the clock tower where Kahanit resides. You all sort of try to like find your footing, um, still spread out in Kahanit's like laboratory as you were inside the chamber. Uh, so, you know, Dante, you're on one side. Uh, uh, Helen and Genevieve, you're kind of a little closer together with, with Shifra and Talith on the opposite side. Um, you're lucky you didn't just like apparate into a bookshelf or anything like that. I do a superhero um, landing and all of the books fall off the shelf. <laughs> Great, Scott, I don't have time to clean that up, Helen. You Sorry. hear Kahanit's voice resonate over you. Oh, goodness, uh, uh, Shifra, in your hand, is that it? This is it, I have it. Wonderful. Uh, bring it over quickly. All of you, come over quickly. Was I holding the WD book? You're muted, when, Andrew. <laughs> was I holding the WD book when we transported? Uh, I assumed you grabbed it when you were inspecting it. I also assumed I grabbed it when I was inspecting <laughs> hey. it. All right, cool. Just want to be clear. I have that book. It was an object I wanted you to have, so you got <laughs> it. Um, as you all gather around Kahanit, um, um, Shifra, do you hand him the satchel of pixie dust? I will I will hold it open for him to get out what he needs. Very good. He looks inside and, and looks inside and sees the pixie dust there. Wonderful. Wonderful. This is it then. I did a bit more research while you all were gone and here's what I know. This island uh, a place that never is and and, and never was a, a place that has never had such importance. A place that I have now called, well, Neverland. It rests on the other side of this portal. I have tracked that in two days' time, under the night's sky, a star will fall and land on the island. Shifra, Talith, Genevieve, Helen, Dante, this is the celestial body that I have foresaw a millennia ago. Should it fall into the wrong hands, into the hands of the red wizards, they will awaken a creature that walks in the darkness, a creature that will eat this realm of earth, that will eat all neighboring realms, the forgotten realms, the, the Greyhawk realms, the, the Eberron realms. It will not stop if it can touch the power of that star. But Shifra, if, if, if we recover it and bring it back here, perhaps all of our powers combined, we can find a better use for such an object. 
When you are on the island, Helen, you, you remember that hill, that large hill uh, near the beachhead, a hill that towers above the jungle line. On top of that hill, you'll be able to watch the star fall and land. And then you can track it quickly. Shifra, after I use a pinch to open this portal, there's but only one pinch left of pixie dust. I don't quite know how yet I'll get you back from Neverland, but you might need that pinch. Yes, Talith, uh, your hand is raised. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm so sorry, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Kahamet. Uh, look, uh, Kairos said that I had to be back very quickly. The last time I took way too long when I was here and, and he was really upset because I'm supposed to get back and report. I can't, I can't go to, to Everland. Because uh, I, I have to get back, but um, it sounds like they've like everybody's got a handle on it. So I'm just gonna go home and do that, uh, and and that should be good, right? I thank you for calling me here, like you do often unnecessarily. But I, I do have to, I have to go. I got I got places to be. Oh, young Talith, you have come such a long way since I first found you working in the shipyards in Eberron. You do not know what your true destiny lies, but I promise you, it lies there in Neverland. Your course, this place is a part of it. Now, I certainly can't force you to do anything you don't feel ready to do, but I assure you, your skills, your abilities, your heritage is of the utmost importance, the survival of this group and their expedition into the jungle-filled islands, uh, a place of, of magic, a place of wonder, and a place of deep, dark treachery. I mean, just tell them you've been kidnapped, and then uh, we could also just kidnap you. But if I tell them that I'm kidnapped, and they're going to want to know how I was... That, uh, that, that's fine. Look, can, you, can you put in a good word with me, uh, with the quartermaster, because uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be iffy. This is hard to explain. Uh, relax. This is heavy. This is wouldn't be Helen's first, uh, you know, improvised kidnapping, you know. It to would keep not. People safe. So you're, that, fine, you're fine. That's not comforting, really. I send a mean ransom note. <laughs> as, uh, as the group is sort of going back and forth with you, trying to, you know, appeal to your sense of humanity to join them on this expedition to recover uh, a powerful, magical fallen star from this place called Neverland. All of you hear a whistle. Boom! As one of the clock glass faces shatters, fire resonating around the now massive hole in this clock tower, flying down from the night sky, a familiar red wizard, Thrasis Moldar, appears. You think you can escape the Red Wizards of Thay? You are wrong. Kahanit, I see you. You can't hide forever underneath your veil. And Kahanit quickly takes a pinch of dust, throws it into the portal as the small ball of green energy opens up. Vroom, 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 vroom. Quickly, quickly now, all of you, into the portal. It won't stay open for long. I'll hold off this Red Wizard treacherous... Uh, creature, 
ha, as he springs forward, his own magic springing from his fingertips in a super classic Harry versus Voldemort standoff. They clash their magic against each other. You all look towards the portal that leads towards Neverland, and you see an island covered with glistening golden sand beaches. In the center of it, a crude river cuts through, surrounded by a dense, overgrown jungle. A single mountain range with a spire erecting high into the sky, piercing the line, the line of clouds that surround it. From the waters, you see a skull, nearly the size of a quarter of the island, biting through the ocean waters, looking up at you all, looking down on it. The skull smiles anxious for you all to step foot in this place called Neverland. I pick Talith up and I throw him through the portal. <laughs> Talith, do you try to resist that at all? No, I wasn't paying attention because I was trying to grab a couple of healing potions off of, uh, of uh, Kahanit's uh, workbench. And I feel like my hand was like just reaching to them when she just like yoinks me and just yeets me through this portal. Yes, of course. Always going for the healing potions as you blip through the portal. Helen, you look back up the group, ready to take that next adventurous leap yourself. Is there anything you say? No going back now. And I jump through. Quickly now, Kahina cries. The rest of you through the portal. I can't hold him for long. Uh... I'm going to cast my last second level spell, Tasha's Mind Whip, as I'm walking through the portal to the Red Mage to maybe give Kahanit a chance in this duel. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, what do we got to roll here? I have to roll. I think I roll here. Oh, no. The, the creature. He's probably intelligent. Uh, has to make an intelligent saving throw, throw against a 13. In which case, uh, seeing this action, Genevieve's going to kind of really quickly grasp with a crystal ball and a crystal like this crystalline energy goes over and surrounds him using my last port and die which was a four. Oh my goodness what was a 18 on the saving throw turns to an eight um dante uh give me a little flavor on this spell and i'll follow up with with what happens to this red wizard uh as i kind of click my um cane on the ground and step through i look back and i remember the time spending with kahanit and uh helping him rearrange his place and getting tutoring from him i reach out and i touch my um touch my head with my cane and then i reach out with my hand and you're gonna see like these bluish kind of energy from my head travel to my hand and cast tasha's mind whip uh kind of connecting a link from my hand to his head and I'm trying to like, essentially, it seems like a, just a, a big arcane headache. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. As, as you whip his mind, you break his connection and his magical duel with Kahanit, uh, like stunning him for a moment. Um, this gives Kahanit the opportunity to summon a, a grand spell. You see this spectral golden dragon rise above him as his scales glow 
gold. He holds his hands up, unleashing the spectral agent against the red wizard. He turns around to you, Dante, and Kahana says, boy, Dante, always ready for a scrap, just like I taught you. I'll handle this foe. And the dragon, the spectral dragon, takes a hold of the red wizard and flies him out of the tower. Uh, Kahanit spreading his own dragon wings from his back. He drops his walking sip and takes flight after the red wizard. Just leaving the portal for you, Dante, Genevieve, and Shifra to step through. I would imagine that upon seeing Neverland, I might feel some kind of like odd sense of deja vu or something. And just sort of without even thinking about it, just sort of feeling the sense from the cosmic universe that I'm supposed to do this, I would jump through. Absolutely. You enter the portal to Neverland as well. Genevieve, Dante? Um, kind of the gesture from earlier. Uh, I'm going to kind of try and interlink uh, arms with Genevieve as we step through, because like wizard pals kind of at this point, <laughs> and we know that we're just stepping through a portal, and I'm just going to say, well, you're mighty powerful indeed. It's nice to have you around. And I'm going to walk through. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Fantastic. Genevieve, how about you? Uh, Genevieve will have taken his arm, followed in, and just like right before they entered into the portal, kind of like looked at him like a little, like for the peripheral provision. So you're an intern? Is that right? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> And as you all clearly enter the portal, you find yourselves standing on a gold-sanded beach, water covering a peninsula of sand around you. You look back on this magnificent island. Sandy shores, dense jungles, clean rivers, wonder, beauty, mystery, and treachery all lie forth as next session we venture into Neverland looking for a large hill to gaze upon a falling star in the night sky. Thank you all for joining us on our first chapter. If you want to keep up with our Neverland adventures, follow Second Star Show on all social media and visit our website, secondstar.show. And remember, if you ever feel lost, head to the second star on the right and straight on till morning.